Our last lesson from God's Word and the lesson for our sermon today is from the book of Romans, chapter 8. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is God's Word. Dear friends of Jesus, the word nothing is an awful word. Let me give you some examples. You pick your kids up at school and you're driving home and you ask them, what did you learn at school today? And what do they always say? Nothing. It's just an instant conversation killer. Let's say you go back to work after being on a trip and you ask your coworkers, what did I miss? And they say, nothing. Doesn't that make your life feel pointless? How about this? What if you say I love you to someone and they say nothing? I mean, they don't say the word nothing, right? They, <laughs> but they say nothing. Does that happen to you? How does that make you feel? It's heartbroken. Hurt. Nothing is an awful thing. You check your messages. There's nothing. You long for a friend to reach out to you. Nothing. Nothing is an awful thing. Especially when it's you. Do you ever feel like nothing? I bet you've had somebody call you that at some point in your life. Maybe it was a bully on the playground. Maybe it was, it was a boss at work. You're nothing. You're worthless. <sighs> Nothing's worse than feeling like nothing. And I know that there's at least one person who is always trying to convince you that you're nothing and, and that's the devil. The devil likes to whisper into our hearts and into our minds. He says, you're nothing. Look at your sins. You're worthless. You're nothing. Nothing worse than nothing. Especially when it's true. This last Wednesday was Ash Wednesday. What's the message of Ash Wednesday? You and I are nothing. Nothing but dust and ashes. 
sinners. Of course, we don't like to admit that. All of us wrestle with pride in our lives. Every day in our lives, we're trying to prove that we're something, that we're somebody, right? But as you get older, maybe you get sick, and reality sets in. How many of us are going to die? All of us. When you die, what are you going to take with you? Nothing. A hundred years from now, what are people going to remember about you and me? Nothing. As important as we like to think we are, in the grand scheme of things, we're nothing. Unless you know Jesus. You see, Jesus is so good and so powerful and so gracious that Jesus is, is able to take even nothing and make it into something awesome. That's what he did when he created the world. Before God created the world, what was there here? Nothing. And yet Jesus was so powerful that he was able to take nothing and he turned it into something awesome. And This is what we're going to hear today. Our God is so powerful and so gracious, he can make even nothing into something awesome. Today we get to hear one of the most beautiful sections of God's Word. I once heard someone say that if he were abandoned on a desert island and could only take one page of the Bible with him, this is the page he would take. Romans chapter 8. It's the best thing for you and I to hear whenever we feel like we're nothing. It starts like this. Paul says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? You know that verse, right? I hope you know that verse. If God is for us, who can be against us? I'm afraid that in life we spend way too much time thinking about the second half of that verse. Who can be against us? And we say, a whole bunch of things. All sorts of things are against us. What's against you today? Maybe sickness, or work, or relationship, or the government, or car repairs, or an accident, or depression. God, there's all sorts of things against us. How much time do you and I spend every single day thinking about all the things that are against us. There's a whole bunch of them. But hold on. What does the, the first part of that little saying say? If God is for us. Those little words are, are meant to stop anxiety in its tracks. God is for us. Do you know what that means? The God who created the heavens and the earth, the God who has planned out every single event in the history of the world, the God who has all power and all authority and all might and all grace, that God is for us. So then who can be against us? Nothing. Nothing compared with our God. If God is for us, who can be against us? Nothing. So is he? Is God for us? That really becomes the question. We have our doubts, don't we? When we see all the things that are against us, it sure seems like God is against us too, doesn't it? Except that could be further from the truth. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Is God for us? 
Yes, how can we know? How can we be sure? Because God gave up his own son for us. That's how much he loves us. Because Jesus was willing to die on the cross for us. That's how much he loves us. That's the proof. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. Now listen to exactly what that means. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Can you follow the logic in that verse? God has done the biggest, most difficult thing, which was give up his son for us. God has done the biggest, most difficult thing. Do you think God will do all the other things that we need to? Of course he will. Do you think God did the biggest thing, give up his own son, just to turn around and abandon us? No way. If God was willing to give up his son for us, what is it that we need that God won't give us? Nothing. What's the proof? I could just hear this verse all day long. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? But what about our sins? Paul continues, he says, Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? I bet some of you can relate to this today. People bringing charges. Who is in your life today that's accusing you? What accusations do you hear in your ears? Maybe it's a boss for your performance at work. Maybe, maybe it's your kids. They don't appreciate what you've done, they've done for you. Maybe, maybe it's even your spouse. He or she has a way to just always pick out your wrongs. What voice is accusing you today? It's always the devil. That's his name. You know what the, the name Satan means? It means accuser. He's always accusing us. You're sinful. You're guilty. You're nothing. Who's accusing you today? And hear this verse. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. We've heard this word justify in a couple of sermons lately. What does the word justify mean? To declare not guilty. It's a courtroom term where the judge declares someone not guilty. When Jesus died on the cross, you were justified. By faith in Jesus, you are justified. That means that God has declared you not guilty. And if, if God declares you not guilty, what does that do with all the accusations? It silences them. Oh, sure, people can still say them. But in God's eyes, do you know what you are? You are not guilty. No matter what you've done, what can people charge you with? Nothing. Isn't that the greatest word? Nothing. So Paul says, who then is he that condemns? You know the answer. Who can condemn us? No one. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Jesus died on the cross to take away all of our sins. He rose from the dead to defeat the devil for us. Now he sits at God's right hand and rules everything in the world. And on top of all that, Jesus is interceding for us. 
Paul earlier in Romans says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no one who can condemn you because Jesus is interceding for you. I know that word interceding, that's kind of a big word. Let's think about what that means. Jesus is interceding for you. It means Jesus is your lawyer. Jesus defends you before God. Imagine what that might look like. The devil goes to God and says, look at all of his sins. Look at all that he has done. I've got a list here. Everybody has seen it. He's guilty. And Jesus steps in. And what does Jesus say? No, Father. Look at my cross. I took all of those sins away at the cross. I paid the full penalty for all of them. He's forgiven. I picture that adversary that you have in your life. She's always accusing you. She says to you, you're nothing. And Jesus steps in. What does Jesus say? You're not nothing. Look at my cross. I gave my life for you. How could you be nothing if you're worth my life for you on the cross? If Jesus is our lawyer, what can people accuse us of? Nothing. Isn't that a cool word? Nothing. So Paul says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? You know the answer. Nothing. Paul makes a big list. He says, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword. And what makes that list more powerful is that Paul isn't just listing random troubles. What Paul is describing is his own personal life experience. All of those things Paul himself went through. Trouble, hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, sword. He faced every one of them. And when you hear that list, you think to yourself, you know, if, if one of those things were happening to me, it would lead me to doubt my faith in Jesus. And Paul faced all of them. But he wasn't the only one. In the middle of all this, he quotes a verse from the Old Testament. The verse says, For your sake we face death all day long. We are like sheep for the slaughter. You see, Paul wasn't the only believer in God who had a hard life. So many believers in the history of the world have these people long ago in the Old Testament, they were saying, God, because of you we face death every day. God, because of you we feel like a sheep about to be slaughtered. And what do you think a sheep about to be slaughtered feels like? Powerless. Weak. Hopeless. Does that sound familiar? This can be a, a Christian's life experience here on earth in this world of trials and temptations and when those trials and temptations come, then the devil, he shows up and he whispers in your ear, see, I told you so. God doesn't care about you. God abandoned you long ago. You have nothing. You are nothing. Right? No. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors who will love us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, Neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Aren't those beautiful words? I hope you have those memorized. You can memorize those words. And you can preach them to your soul. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? 
nothing. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. What can separate us from Jesus' love? Nothing. How about death? No. How about life with all of its troubles? No. How about angels? No. What about demons? No. How about your past? No. How about the future? No. What if you got in a spaceship and you went up really high? No. That's what he says. Height. What if you got in a submarine and you went to the bottom of the ocean? No. Nothing. Nothing that can separate you from the love of Christ. And how can we be sure? You know. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? And I think what Paul would love to have you do is to make your own list. So these lists, this is Paul's experience, all the trials that he suffered. You could make your own list. What are the things that the devil has put in your life to make you doubt God's love and God's care for you and whatever they are, nothing can separate you from God's love. What would be on your list? Neither cancer nor loneliness. Neither depression nor accidents. Neither broken relationships nor divorce. Neither heartache nor pain. None of them, none of them can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I know that the trials of life and the accusations of the devil, they're always tempting you to think that God has abandoned you, but the gospel message of the Bible is that God sent his own son to die for you. And that means that nothing can separate you from his love. If God is for us, who can be against us? Nothing. God gave up his own son for us. What will he not give us? Nothing. If Jesus has forgiven you, what charges can people bring against you? Nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Jesus, our Savior, is so good and so powerful and so gracious that he can even take nothing and he can make it into something awesome. Even when you feel like you have nothing, even when... You feel like nothing. Nothing can separate you from the love of God. Amen. Let's say a prayer. Dear Lord Jesus, as we face the trials and temptations of life, the devil is always whispering in our hearts and in our minds, you're nothing. You're sinful. You're worthless. You're nothing. And yet, dear Jesus, you're so powerful, you can even take that word nothing and you can turn it into something good. In these beautiful verses from you, you tell us that since you're with us, you don't have to be afraid of anything. Tell us that since you came to die for us, there's nothing that God won't give us that we need. You tell us that since you took all of our sins away, people can't accuse us of anything. You tell us that nothing, even the, the biggest problems of life, nothing can separate us from your love. 
Get on Jesus, just like the Apostle Paul faced difficulties in life, every one of us comes to church today with troubles and trials on our hearts and minds. Help each of us to see that we can make our own list. And the end of the list goes like this. Nothing can separate us from your love. Dear Lord Jesus, in the good days and in the bad days, may it be your love that fills us and carries us. Help us to trust in how good that word nothing is. Nothing can separate us from you. In your name we pray. Amen.